2: Elvis.
3: Rhode Island, July 1965. The Newport Folk Festival is in full swing. It's been a hell of a year in the US of A. That weekend, LBJ doubled the draft. The country was going to war with Vietnam. Looming prospect of war, plus the ongoing and foundational traumatic fight for civil rights, had the audience feeling the weight of history on its shoulders. Enter stage left. Dylan. The folks were hoping for a repeat performance of We Shall Overcome and a moment to link arms and sing in solidarity against a military industrial complex. Dylan, however, had other things on his mind. Electricity was calling to him and his Fender Strat. What happens next is the stuff of rock and roll myth. The hero is booed off stage and Pete Seeger is looking for an axe. However, upon closer historical review, we see it wasn't that simple. Sure, some purists were pissed off at this open genre defiance, but the folks drawn to the ocean state that day weren't strictly booing electricity. They were booing for something else entirely. She came from Providence, the one in Rhode Island, where the old world shadows hang heavy in the air. She packed her hopes and her dreams like a refugee, just as her father came across the sea. The last resort, Eagles. Welcome back, friends, to season two of Sound of Our Town. You wanted more, frankly, so did I. So thank you for listening and supporting this show. You got us to this moment, season two. I hope while you've waited, life has treated you well, you've gotten your steps in, and you've seen lots of live music. Hopefully you've had some time to get your ears and boots to some season one stops like Tulsa, LA, Phoenix, Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, or Asbury Park. If you've caught some live music in any of these places, leave us a review and tell us where you went, what you heard, and what I missed. And right now, we turn our gaze to the largest city within the smallest state of America, Providence, Rhode Island. The capital of the Ocean State, 40 minutes north of Newport. A place that is constantly reimagining itself and marching to the beat of its own roving alien drum troop. For real, that's a real thing that happens in Providence. The state is small, the city is smaller. How small? Well, Houston, Texas was one of our stops in season one, and that city is bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island. But I hope someone has told you that size does not matter. There's something truly divine about this little city founded in 1636 by a renegade preacher. Roger Williams fled his uptight Puritan brethren in Massachusetts Bay Colony and headed south. He wanted more out of life, more religious and political freedom, more separation of church and state. Thus, Providence was founded. Williams learned to speak Narragansett and was actually friendly with the natives, at least for a while. That made him a radical indeed. That live-and-let-live attitude is an ethos that has permeated down the generations. And Providence has been providing a quick escape for Bostonians getting their style cramped ever since. Especially if that style involved lack of access to strip clubs. Other important things to note about Providence, it was a big mob town. New York had the five families, Boston had Whitey Bulger, and Providence had Patriarca. The city was so small that it was completely wrapped in the mob economy. Organized crime was daily life, honest mobsters, crooked cops, and all. The twice elected mayor was elected for the second time while also being a convicted felon. It can happen in America. Now, the mob stuff is a thing of the past, mostly, I think. I don't know. This isn't a true crime podcast. But new government, new demographics, and a new down-city revitalization has Providence spilling over with amazing restaurants and nightclubs and some very solid music venues. The music community is tight, in the scene as diverse and supportive and frankly is still very weird in that in this ultra pasteurized digitally homogenized insta talk ai filtered life is a beautiful thing that has given us talking heads Tavares, Tick, freddie scott claudia lanier jeffrey osborne duke robelard roomful of blues courtney swain the silks the low anthem air music the deer hunter wendy carlos bill conti blue cantrell john b john alma chance emerson nick duane lightning bolt scarce thank god for science the young adults marty blue and Brownberg. A friend told me that Providence is a place of cultural creators, not consumers. It's got one of the best art and design schools in RISD, and one of the best culinary schools in Johnson and Wales. Add in the brains at Brown, and this town is full of makers making more. A hefty scoop of do-it-yourself, and the music scene is no different. In fact, the history of the scene here is in the poetry of a thousand vacant warehouses. Once upon a time, Providence was a big port city. And it had all the things that come with that. Like excellent seafood and a lot of people from all over making their living from the water. Post-World War II saw Providence adrift as industrial giants abandoned ship. Jobs vanished and left a labyrinth of brick warehouses behind. But there is beauty in the breakdown. The artist is the fairy godmother to the vacant warehouse. The rent is cheap. The square footage vast. The ceiling's lofty. The neighbors non-existent. Make as much fracking noise as you want and no one will call the cops. A prime location for the right sorts of people to bloom an entire honeycomb of artistic activity so deep that by the 90s, famous art collectors formed and Providence was one of the most dynamic underground art scenes on the East Coast. And in these derelict buildings, noise rock was cradled, so it could grow up quickly to terrorize the ears of the crowds that would come in droves to see bands like Lightning Bolt, Arab on the Radio, and Locust. In the early 2000s, a hack job of urban improvement saw a section of the mills turned into a strip mall. So with the help of the hippest Rockefeller child who was a RISD graduate and noise rock aficionado, artists galvanized to start a collective buying and restoring these spaces, then teaching the youth to do the same, creating more galleries, venues, and studios that are now award-winning, soulful spaces. You want a town that has saved its sound? Then we need to visit Providence, Rhode Island. Sound of Our Town is a podcast about the music that shaped the city you are touching down in. It is about being present to hear and experience its best music happening right now and what sounds and places have shaped the city's culture. In this season two of Sound of Our Town, I'll introduce you to the real places and sonic stories echoing in a particular city, so that your travel is enriched with music, so that our troubles are forced to contend with beats and harmony and songs. I'm your host, Will Daly. I'm an independent DIY songwriter and touring artist. I've been doing this for a little bit, and this show is a reminder of how important live music is to our existence. This abiding ritual of getting together in a room to listen and why that matters. So I'm reading this book called The Science of Awe. It talks about how the basic need for awe is wired into our brains and our bodies. How that feeling of awe takes us out of our nagging ego brains and into the vast mystery that is the strange trip of being human. And one of the most direct pathways to awe is through the sonic medium, music. The shivers you get at hearing an epic solo or tears that fall listening to a voice drenched in emotion in a room full of bodies vibrating on the same wave. That's awe. And in every city in America, there are authentic portals that are open and willing to offer you a path towards mystical, neurochemical transcendence. One potential portal is our first stop, located in downtown Providence. Askew. It's a funky welcome upon walking down from street level into a room that has it all. Big wooden pylons and a classic mill brick interior splashed with the work of local artists hold the place up. There's comfy couches, a pool table, and a board game shelf. Owners John and Winsong keep regulars on their toes with music, comedy, and poetry open mics at the start of the week. Disco dance parties on Wednesday, and the occasional burlesque and variety show. Thursday through Sunday is live music. You'll catch a mix of Americana, folk singer-songwriter, blues musicians, and rock and roll varieties here. John Allmark, local jazz hero and trumpet player who has played with the likes of Frank Sinatra and Aretha Franklin, hits a skew with his band Autocrats once a month with standing room only funk night. Providence loves to dance. On Friday nights after the live music has ended, DJ Venom takes over. After the party is the after party and more booties descend upon a skew from all over town to shake it. Venom spins retro 80s and 90s themed nights or Bowie and Cure nights all sweaty and liberating. Excuse survived the pandemic to make it to its fifth year anniversary. This small and cozy room is already a huge part of PVD's multiple sonic personalities. It's my favorite place to play in town. And it always feels like an extension of the DIY, get it done spirit of the warehouse legends. When you're having a panic attack, you're supposed to stop and listen to five things you can hear. At first, your frantic mind will hear nothing except the pounding of your head. Take a breath. Suddenly, you start to hear the wind, the birds, the trees, the spaces. There's a band out of Providence that reminds me of that. The Low Anthem. When both starting out in New England, I would open up for them in Providence, and they would open up for me in Boston. Sometimes the Boston audiences didn't know how to handle the Low Anthem's subtleties. On a few occasions, I had to be the guy that shushed the crowd. A couple of years in, the Low Anthem blew up, quietly though. Critical Darlings, rave reviews from Rolling Stone, touring with Iron & Wine. Around 2010, Jeff Prostowski, one of the founders of the band, wandered into a down-on-its-luck but stunning theater in downtown Providence, the Columbus Theater. Built in 1926, to step into Columbus Theatre is to be Marty McFly stumbling into another century. Marble floors and mirrors, thick red drapes, frescoes and a retro candy counter and a lobby decked out with gold paint. When I pulled up to the Columbus to see my name on the marquee for the first time, I felt connected to a feeling that has echoed through the hearts of countless performers since electricity first lit up a sidewalk. Duke Ellington graced this place. Jeff was awestruck and in love. He offers to start paying rent to the owner to host shows. The Low Anthem uses their success to help give this theater back to the community. And now the Columbus is buzzing. Sold out shows with national acts downstairs in a recording studio in the most luscious listening room upstairs with local and regional acts. Places like the Columbus Theater exude the magic and energy put into it by its owners and caretakers. Now, to keep this gem alive, from the 1960s until today, was no easy feat. John Barbarian, a gentleman, a Brown graduate, and a classically trained opera singer in New York City, moved back to Providence to help his father run the vaudeville-turned-movie theater. But attendance was low. He tried booking opera concerts and recitals, but when big movie plexes moved into town, it was not enough to keep the lights on. John, who loved this place with his heart and soul, decided one fateful night in the 1970s to take a risk and show a film that had the tagline, Banned in Denmark. The theater about to go out of business saw 700 people show up. It was a porno flick. Berberian was a musician who really didn't want to run a porn theater. But hey, it's a pile of rubble or it's porn. He kept the Columbus open via dirty movies and random shows throughout the years until Jeff walked in. These days, you can catch non band movies, comedians, and national acts like Bill Callahan, Wanda Jackson, John C. Riley, Bonnie Prince Billy, Amy Mann, and Father John Misty. Upstairs, a host of local and traveling singer songwriters of the quieter fair, but not too quiet. This vaudeville turned porn theater turned national performing arts venue is evidence of Providence showing us again that spaces that surround us in sonic textures can be sacred places forever waiting for you. Now, if you've listened to season one, you know that I have a soft spot for a dive in the no cover venue. The Brits have their pubs, the French have their cafes, and we, we have our dives. Like all things in nature, it takes time to grow such a space. The absence of frills, allergic to trends, and I could not recommend more a little green cinder block building just down the street from Askew, in the Jewelry District. Our no-cover spot in Providence is Nick and Knees. In a world that is constantly changing, Nick and Knees is the classic neighborhood joint. It's been an anchor in Down City since Stephanie Fenizia opened it in 1996. An eclectic smattering of pool tables and demographics, political types and punk rock types, hipsters, rockers coming back from gigs, college kids, weirdos, townies, and tourists, Music aficionados. All amongst the pool tables that are in orbit around the jukebox. It's the live music, though, that is free seven nights a week. Country, blues, bluegrass, rock, singers, songwriters, and funk. During the warmer months, they have shows out back in the parking lot, because there's an actual stage there. You can find a residency or two, in the house band on Tuesdays is Marty Baloo and Friends. But you can catch acts like Cody Nilsson, Legends Tim Gearin and Chris Cody, Ginny and the Gin Boys, or Otis and the Freewheelers cruising through on any given night. There's barely a web presence. This is a dive. There's no script. Their Facebook page actually has the best insight on the calendar. Or just be grateful it's free. And trust the mystery and curation and maybe yourself and what you bring to that dive. And also, bring cash. Be the hero.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals.
0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The streetlights will come on as you bust out of nickenese into a night still young. Providence is a city made for walking. Time for your ears to recharge to the song of the city and to take a moment to reflect on life's big questions. Who are we? Where are we going? And does Providence rock? The city had a reputation for being rough around the edges, and the music scene was no different. Noise rock came to life in these warehouses. Providence has taken some licks, a place where recessions happen in succession, where the mob was hassling everyone. The scene was underground and the general mood was pissed. Of course, the people wanted to turn up loud and emote while soaking in the decibels. To scream in unison, gaze at the shoes or thrash around in a mosh pit with strangers and leave saying, thank you. And by now you've walked around a bit off the beaten path from downtown and surprise, you're at a warehouse. So back to my important question, does Providence rock? The answer is to come get your face melted at dusk. Venues in Providence have been known to open and close quickly, but dusk is an elder statesman at 13 years old. It's run by the owner Rick Sunderland and the head bartender and booker Danielle Tellier. She is also, incidentally, the winner of Bartender of the Year in 2022 in Motif Magazine, which is Rhode Island's premier art and music zine. So in addition to killer programming, she'll pour you a drink that will take you places. Dusk is small enough to have an intimate feel with a vibe dark enough to shed the day. Band stickers with heavy metal fonts decorate the walls. And yes, you can catch perfect metal and goth shows here that will leave your ears ringing. But in the spirit of a city that defies easy definition within a state that Dylan brought more to a folk fest, the best metal and garage rock club in town also hosts one of the coolest DJ dance parties around, period. It's called Soul Power. One venue, two different ways to get your face melted. How anti-provincial. Shirts cling to soaked skin, small crowds reboot their lungs with a cigarette break outside. Meanwhile, DJ Ty Gesso, who is a fixture in the music scene, brings in his big screen and vast record collection to help the citizens of Providence let loose and lose control of their bodies by transcending together. Hypnosis by osmosis via funk, boogaloo, and soul. Like so much of PVD, no matter what is going on in the city from 10 to 2, on second Fridays, everyone meets up at dusk, to get melted at soul power. The festival schedule in the Ocean State is so heavy, you'll wish you could clone yourself to imbibe it all. But because we're still human, for now, and I don't want to give you FOMO, let's stick to the musts. Two of the most famous festivals in America, Newport Folk and Jazz Fest, are a 45-minute drive south of PVD. Jazz critic Leonard Feather put it best when he said the 1954 debut of the Newport Jazz Festival initiated the festival era in American music, and it has never been the same since. The vibe, the Mount Everest of cool that was achieved in a multi-day extravaganza was something that only a deep concentration of American jazz greats could establish. I'm talking Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald, Thelonious Monk, Dave Brubeck, and the great Miles Davis. This is pure awe. Two years later, building off its success in the wild popular folk scene, the Newport Folk Fest debuted. You know, the place where the hippies boo Dylan off stage, where Joni goes to be reborn in 2022. Both festivals today are modern who's who of music with a lot more genre bending allowed. Folk at the end of July and jazz the first weekend in August, a coveted and supremely scarce ticket. Now in PVD proper, it's the Day Trill Festival, the brainchild of organizers and scene makers, Sabrina Chaudhry and Jason Almeida. Their production company, Stay Silent PVD, which I would equate to Providence's very own rock nation, was born of a necessity to create spaces full of love, music, art, and culture for the black and brown communities of Providence. The city is extremely diverse, but still culturally segregated by neighborhood. There are huge communities of Dominican, Portuguese, Haitian, and Cape Verdean folks. In realizing the lack of melanin in the music scene offerings, Chaudrenal Media set out to fix that. With each event they hosted, they raised up the hip-hop culture and the R&B scene of Providence through pop-up shows, hip-hop brunches, and DJ dance parties and special events all over town. This coalesced into their very first festival, a day rave called Day Trill. Starting 10 years ago with 30 people in the parking lot of FET Music, it has ballooned into 4,000 people today. It's a day and night full of love, carefully curated R&B and hip-hop that is the place to be. The problem is the 2023 festival has already come to pass, so you're going to have to get on the Stay Silent mailing list to see what's up when you come to town. Our next stop will perhaps be one of the oldest clubs that Sound of Our Town has yet to wander into. We've arrived at a Vatican-like landmark of Down City PVD, the Strand Theater. It first opened its doors in 1915 as a movie theater with 2,000 seats. The chairs were filled up into the 1970s when tastes changed and, well, downtown was ghosted after sundown. The manager's office took a page out of the Columbus Theater's book and pivoted towards X-rated movies. You gotta give it to Roger Williams, no Puritans in Providence. After its skin flick years, this lovely historic gem almost got the paved paradise and put up a parking lot treatment. But the Strand survived by the passion of art and was born again when Lupo's Heartbreak Hotel took over in 2004. Proprietor Rick Lupo's club had lived in a few locations across town. It was always getting gentrified out of the neighborhood. Originally, he says he opened a music venue because he really just wanted a place to play R&B records for his friends and somehow convinced Bo Diddley to come play. The heartbreak quickly became a blues hotspot for local favorites like Roomful of Blues, Wild Turkey, The Young Adults, and Schemers. And sure enough, he did get Bo Diddley for nine sold-out nights in a row. After that coup, the star power ramped up. Names like James Brown, Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis, Muddy Waters, Iggy Pop, The Pretenders, The Go-Go's, Stevie Ray Vaughan. They all started coming by. After the heartbreak's second displacement due to the fates that be deciding more condos should go up, the stars aligned, and in 2003, Rick and company took over the Strand building. And with this new grandiose space and the chops and knack for attracting talent, the tour buses came rolling in. Buses carrying Wilco, Justin Bieber, Flaming Lips, White Stripes, Avid Brothers, Marilyn Manson, Oasis, Radiohead, Beck, The White Stripes, Wu-Tang Clan, Casey Musgraves. I made my point. In 2017, Rick brought in some shareholders. Lupo's finally hung up its hat, and the space closed doors for renovations relaunching two months later as the Strand we know today, but with a new stage, dressing room, sound system, lights, bathroom, VIP areas, and additional balcony seating. Providence is an incredibly diverse city, and the Strand's more racial and ethnically diverse calendar is selling out shows by bringing in stars of hip-hop, Latin, and R&B music, like Intocable, Mora, El and Esselbon Amaro. Today, The Strand is buzzing along, and its caretakers attract all the different cultural sectors of Providence in our wide world of live music. There are a million things siphoning our attention every minute. The news, the bills, the feeds, all clouding up the synapses until you can't remember the time you last had an actual thought. Sometimes what you desperately need is a change of scenery. A new view to soothe the frantic mind so that the muse can start whispering in your ear again. Such is the power of a great, majestic library. And the Athenaeum in Providence, or the Ath, as regulars call it, is a portal. So imagine you're an orphan child in a steampunk novel, and you find out that you have a mysterious aunt who has a magic library that comes to life at midnight. It is named after Athena, the Greek goddess of wisdom. It opened its doors in 1836. Edgar Allan Poe wooed his lady, Providence poet and cult figure Sarah Whitman, in an ill-fated romance in these very halls. H.P. Lovecraft loved it here. And it's easy to see why. It is a quiet exclamation point to all those surreal qualities of Providence. And if you are a bookworm then the main reading room is Mecca. And if you have been severed from the delights of reading, then the main reading room will provide you a rebirth, a hand reaching through time beckoning you to join generations of dreamers in words. The Ath occasionally has music, but really, it serves as the silence between the notes, the same silence that makes a song so indelible, or a visit to Providence so memorable. Now, you're already listening to a podcast to prepare for PVD, so it can't hurt to suggest another podcast. Just please don't fall in love with it like you've fallen in love with this one. If you're a Sopranos fan and want to immerse yourself in the maze that was the history of crime and corruption in Providence of yore, then the award-winning Crime Town further develops the awe of this town. Described as morbidly fascinating and laugh-out-loud surreal, it takes 26 episodes to get through the insanity of it all. The mayor of Providence at the time that the show came out called it terrible for the city. Yet, here we are, celebrating Providence. Now to get hyped for Newport, check out the gorgeous Black and White Dock Festival. Filmmaker Murray Lerner brought his camera to Newport from 1963 to 1966. He did it to capture the pulsating energy and cultural zeitgeist that was the Newport Folk Fest at its peak. It features performances and snapshot interviews of legends running around that weekend like Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, Howlin' Wolf, Johnny Cash, The Staple Singers, Pete Seeger, Sunhouse, and Peter, Paul, and Mary. Again, just to name a few. I feel like I say just to name a few a lot in this show. In this film, you can feel the love and respect of the great American musical tradition emanating off of each frame which makes this intimate record of a pivotal time in music and culture so riveting to watch. There's still so much I haven't told you about Providence, but honestly, after all this time I've spent with Providence, I feel like there's still so much it hasn't told me. When I was brushing up on this or that, scouring the details and dates to share with you, I kept getting further away. I had to ask some of my local friends, Am I slow, or does everyone keep their mouth shut around Providence? I was met with knowing smiles. Providence kind of doesn't want you to know how great it is. Is it a holdover from the underground warehouse culture scene, where everything was on the DL so the cops wouldn't break up the party? Is it part of the legacy of being a mob city where you kept your success to yourself so a man with a very thick neck doesn't show up looking for protection money? Is it post-Puritanical guilt? Or... Or is it everybody just too busy doing something instead of talking about it? I don't know, maybe it's all the above. I also think it's very telling that there is a musical exodus from Boston to Providence. A lot of my friends and fellow players have taken refuge in the 25% cheaper, ultra-livable, art-supporting, off-the-radar big city. The rent in Boston and New York is insane, and the pay has not risen with the tides. It makes a person ask himself, why not Providence? So I know Providence loves to dance. It loves to make music. It loves to make spaces and moments meaningful. It loves to make, period. It loves kink. I didn't even get to tell you about that. But maybe there's some things better left for you to discover yourself. This show is a breadcrumb. It's the start of your journey. Providence isn't judgmental, and it's not here to impress you. It will be delighted to see you, but it isn't gonna beg for your attention. It is always up for trying something new. That is the founding spirit of Rhode Island. And maybe the frequency of energy that infected Bob Dylan that night too, when he walked on stage, alienated his audience, evolving into his next form. And by the way, according to the legend Al Cooper, who played on stage with Dylan that day, the people weren't booing his electric guitar. Dylan and band played only five songs that infamous day. Three were acoustic. They were upset with the short set and bad sound. They were booing because they wanted more. And one more thing, just a few weeks ago, I was standing in the back of a skew post set watching my friend Rhett Miller play, the same Rhett Miller who helped us close out season one. And I was filled with a sense of gratitude and awe for that connection with a place, with other musicians, with an audience, Because that's what music does. It gathers strangers in a room, and through some mystical process of sound and feeling, the distance between us all merges and rhythms of the body and heart synchronize. And even if just for a moment, live music can make you feel like you're part of something larger, something communal, and it can usher in that sense of awe. And from buskers to Beyonce, this is why musicians do what they do, chasing that feeling seven nights a week somewhere in a town near you. You have been listening to Sound of Our Town. This was episode one. We're coming at you with 12 episodes this second season. We got 11 more to go. They're coming out every other Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And that is why I need your help right now to follow this show wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review. It's your reviews and follows that allow us to spread the word and get to more places and cover more venues. If you want to chat with me about that and make suggestions, hit me up on Instagram at WillDailyOfficial. You can also hit up Double Elvis on Instagram or Twitter at DoubleElvisFM and at WillDaily, D-A-I-L-E-Y. Sound of Our Town is a production of Double Elvis and iHeartRadio. The show is executively produced by Jake Brennan and Brady Sadler for Double Elvis. Production assistance by Matt Bowden. The show is created, written, hosted, and scored by me, Will Daly. This episode was written by Samantha Farrow. Music for this episode was composed and performed by me, Will Daly. You can check out my music just by spelling my name correctly anywhere you listen to music. I'm on Spotify, Apple Bandcamp, and always willdaily.com. Special thank yous in this episode to Alan Pennyman and Michael Panico. All right, my friends. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to do that following and... Uh, reviewing stuff and I'll see you in two weeks thank you for your ears